the crime chat. I am your forensic femme fatale. Natalie is your true crime addict connoisseur. We're just two normal girls who obsess about dark crimes, evil minds, and occasionally the unknown. And, well, we also obsess about John Douglas. <laughs> Our list is growing. John, call us, please. <laughs> Our espionage code name is Meow Mix, or oh. <laughs> should I say John Try to catch us, baby. Catch us if you can. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Here's your disclaimer, chatters. The following crime chat contains adult content and descriptions of very strange scenarios today. Not necessarily too violent, but a little creepy at the same time. So your listener discretion is advised. Okay, so you've been warned. And before we get into today's crime chat, Kat, what have you done? Well, I binged watched... My Lover, My Killer. Have you seen that? I have not, no. But have you seen it advertised on Netflix? Yes, I have. Okay. So the whole series takes place in the UK, mm-hmm. and it's like from various cities. A lot of them are in London, but it made me miss living there so much. Aww. I, used, I, I loved living in England. I was stationed out there for three years. My younger son was actually born out what there. What was your favorite part about England? The countryside and just like the, I don't know, I just really like the atmosphere and it's, I think it's just something, it's a modernized, old-timey feel, uh-huh. if that makes any so sense. So what do you prefer in England that we just don't get right? Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> could be a bunch uh-huh. of things. I mean, it could be fish and chips. Well, yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, and a lot of people are like, ooh, they drink warm beer. That's not really that big a deal. And you can ask for cold beer. But like, I mean, just I think the atmosphere just kind of like in general. I absolutely adored London. I love the city, but there's so much thick history that's there too. And where I was at, they were just so Uh pro-American. And when you get out of that kind of like American-based location, like we traveled a lot to the countryside, people are so nice. They're like, oh, you're American. You know, where are you from? Florida. Get you the know. fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> they say usually say Texas or New York. Oh, really? <laughs> well, I'm thinking like that is not a cheap trip to take if you're going to vacation in London. That is not cheap by any stretch of the imagination. Well, in the three years that I was there, especially having a toddler and then having a newborn, Mm -hmm. there wasn't a whole lot of time to do like non-kid-friendly things. Uh So so when we go back, like I would love to do like the Jack the Ripper tour and do things like that. I did did spend a lot of time in London, just like in general, Mm -hmm. but I just can't wait to go back. I just, I'm... I, I don't know. I just love it there. I love it there. And the series, so just watching a lot of like I, the house that we lived in, it was smaller, but it was quaint, mm-hmm. you know, and it just reminded me a lot of that. But so all of the series or episodes that are in that's in this like series, right. basically, if you just by the title, My Lover, My Killer. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it also it just reminded me of all the red flags that you don't always see. Yeah. That hindsight is like, yeah, that was a red flag. That was a red flag. You know, and it's not just the men killing the women. Oh, no. There's, it's also, yeah. Yeah. Women have, oh, both it's ways. harder to catch a woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Smart. Yeah. We just, we, we, and we went to, so this weekend I went to a, a restaurant called Capone's. I took pictures. Mm-hmm. I'll post it on the page. But it was, you know, it's it, it was all for, it's all like that touristy trap type of sure. place like you walk in yeah. you've probably have been there it's in Fort Myers it's like when you walk in the doors have like these Tommy guns for handles yeah and then you walk in and like the <laughs> Capone the, uh, vault is like below your feet like in glass mm-hmm. enclosure but when, we, mm-hmm. when I went to the bathroom 
The funny part is I'm walking down the hallway and I have a picture where the men's bathroom looks like a jail cell, but not the woman's bathroom. And while I was walking in, one of the people were like, why is like, and I, while I was walking in the back, because women don't get caught. That's why. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. No, that's perfect. Yeah. But that's pretty much all I've been doing. And then I got caught up on Mayfair Witches. I talked about that one before. And you said that was my, good. Yeah. Okay. And the next one that I'm going to start based on Paul's recommendation, because mm-hmm. he said he was watching The Last of Us. Yeah. There's quite a few episodes out now that it's acceptable for me to binge. Okay. So. Okay. And <laughs> I approve. That's HBO. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. And then there was another one on AMC Plus that has really got me interested. I haven't seen it yet. Mm. So Chatters, let us know if you've seen it. It's called The Dirty Black Bag. Oh, Okay. Well, and it's like an it's a western type of genre kind of thing mm-hmm. and assumingly just based on the teaser in the black bag are heads of like bounties right. yeah but there's like not not like the character that carries the bag around I, I don't know his name but the sheriff in town is played by dominic cooper and he is one of my favorites do you know who that is i don't know who that is he was but i like his name yeah he was the lead character in preacher the, i never saw that oh god that was good too <laughs> he was in the first time i saw him he was in a movie called The Devil's Double that he played both Uday and Kusei Hussein. And it was the movie was based on Saddam Hussein's son at the invasion into Iraq. It's a very good okay. movie. It's a very I good movie. You're the only person I speak to where, because I know I watch a lot of movies and films and TV shows, mm-hmm. and the only time I feel like I'm being schooled is when I speak to Kat, where I'm like, <laughs> I didn't hear about that. What? Well, this one, is, it's, a, it's an older movie. And I just, just because of, you know, my professional experience, I should mm-hmm. say. So that movie always had caught my interest. And I was like, oh, I really like this actor. And then I started seeing him in things. So I started seeing him in Preacher. And then he was also in Abraham Lincoln, The Vampire Hunter. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah. He, who, who, who was he? He was, I cannot, I can't think of his character he name. But he was a good guy? Yes. He was I the vampire. Exactly. He was the good vampire. I know exactly who you're talking yes. about. Oh, I know exactly who you're talking about. Yes, I love love him yeah okay he's great he's great so that's on my so one of those i'm gonna do the last of us and the one that he's in the dirty black bag i think is what it's called it's it's on amc plus Okay, I gotta check that out. I, I gotta check that out. And, like, I don't know if you have been watching the, uh, um, was it McDermott? McDermott? Am I saying his name right? What's, how do you say his name? Murda? Murda! Oh, what am I saying McDermott <laughs> for? Oh, Murda, my child. gosh. Have you been yes. watching that? So I did, so I went to, it's funny because, you know, being so close, like, I go to the gym and while his trial was going on, it was being live streamed. And it's like, it was on all the, you know, all the channels in the gym. So watching it there, HBO has a special on the Murdoch murders and Netflix has a special on it. So I watched both of those. And then of course he was found guilty. Uh And I, so you want to hear my theory? Uh I think, I think he and Buster killed both Paul and Maggie. Okay. So, all right. So I, yes, I think there's something shifty going on here. And we have a chatter that actually, because I posted Mm -hmm. about it when it Mm -hmm. happened. And we had a chatter come in with her theory. Mm -hmm. And it was, I didn't even think of it that way. And I'm like, holy crap, you're right. Because she said, the brother helped clean the the crime scene. He did. So yeah, this was a family. It was a family affair. It was a family affair. Yeah, yeah. But, but why would the mother be killed? Is it because she was coming out to save her kid? 
is it why? I think just because she was a witness to it. Yes. Yes. I don't think she was necessarily the intended target. I think with Paul getting ready with everything that was happening there. Right. And then I don't know that Maggie necessarily. Well, and plus that was coming back up too, right? So the boat incident with Paul, he was getting ready to be, he was already indicted. So he they were getting ready for trial for that. Right. Then the Gloria Satterfield, I think the mom did that. It was either the mom or Paul that were probably involved with pushing her down the stairs where she hit her head. But Paul, but they always said like, Paul loved her so much and that yeah, yeah but by he the was, way the funny that, thing that just so don't interrupt but that that chatter that had this theory is Gia Webster it's my aunt oh my god I love Gia <laughs> that was a great theory okay <laughs> hi <laughs> Gia hi Gia <laughs> yes yes so we we actually were chatting back and forth a little bit mm-hmm. a few days ago when the verdict came out wow. yeah Yeah, she's great. So I think just with all of this coming out, his motive is understandable for killing Paul. Paul probably was causing a lot of trouble. Yeah. He was going to bring the Murdoch family down. Buster is the favored child, right? And then I think Maggie was probably just like collateral damage in it all. And with all that happening, I think it could have maybe he, because they were also on the outs, supposedly, you know, she was living down in Edisto and he was at the farm right and so not that they part of the reason she, she supposedly was living down in, at the other house like the beach house in edisto is because of all of the pressure and like everybody looking at the family she just was like i kind of want to get out so there's a lot of theories and stuff about why they were living separately but he asked her to come and have dinner that night stomach contents and the autopsy of both paul and maggie were very similar so she probably did eat dinner there right and then i don't know he, just the way he was lying about how he said he went to his parents that night and then but he was also caught on video his he wasn't seen on the video but his his voice was heard on the video that he was not where he said that he was so he got caught kind of in that i think buster was part of it too and i say that only because buster was the favored child and then there was two different weapons that were used right a shotgun and a rifle but buster's life is done it's not like he has any connections with the law firm anymore. He can't. His family's law firm. Who, who would hire him? Well, right. No, absolutely. And that's why I think the suicide attempt happened was because mm-hmm. we may be down, but Buster, here's some money. Ah, go. Right. Because he didn't know if there was going to be a suicide clause. You know, in some life insurance policies, there's a suicide clause. But like if somebody else were to kill him, right. then, you know, Buster would be able to get the money and just basically have a fresh start. So oh my that's Cat's theory. They put my family drama to to like shame right my lord you know and i think well they had a wrongful death case against paul for like 10 million dollars um the one that mallory mallory beach Beach. yeah the beach family yeah it's just it is horrible and then the whole stephen smith oh my god that breaks my heart what a did you see pictures he's adorable oh my god he's beautiful and i'm like how how did he get tied into all this and then they were saying like Buster possibly had some type of relationship mm-hmm. with him. And I could see that too because that wouldn't have been acceptable here. It would absolutely right. not have been acceptable. If he was to have some sort of relationship, especially with not only a homosexual relationship or homosexual attraction, but a different class status as well. Like that is a shame that that just breaks my heart when I saw the picture of Stephen Smith. I'm like, just more collateral damage Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that this family, the wake of this family is just. Yep. And the fact that they I love the fact that they reopened that case. And I don't know 
now with everything, you know, kind of, if they, during the search after Paul and Maggie were murdered, if they found stuff to reopen the investigation into Stephen Smith, but yeah, there's, there's so many, like, it's an infectious family, but the the disease kind of infection, yeah. You want to know something? This is how I knew the prosecutors were going to win. All right, this is just, this is just a Natalie thing. Okay. Okay. It's a gut Natalie thing. So like, I've, I've done a lot of work in um at the courthouses in mm-hmm. Manhattan because at one point I was becoming a lawyer mm-hmm. and I was training to get my LSAT I was interning mm-hmm. and I remember I would intern for we had a couple of attorneys the partners dealt with like med, uh, medical malpractice mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. defense and all this stuff the, one of the attorneys said it, whatever you see when you see like the the desk or underneath the desk the attorney that's working on their case mm-hmm. you could tell right away if that person is owned it or not and like I looked during the trial if you looked behind like the camera and you saw the prosecution's table mm-hmm. that sucker was a mess yeah I mean that man did not care what it looked like he had boxes underneath he had like what what like uh, cases of water he didn't care yeah. he 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 zeroed in on what he had to do right. it wasn't about playing to the camera and i'm like see mm-hmm. like some good good prosecuting work yeah yeah happening right now oh cat so before we get into your story by the way all right so i know you said that your your two things one it was a familiar name mm-hmm. and two that it was about a spy yes and i don't know much about spies okay i only know what the government has told us about spies i don't know <laughs> which you or, can't or always or trust hollywood which you can't always <laughs> trust even hollywood Right. All right, so my definition of a spy is James Bond. Sure. Sexy. Okay. Uh, but according to the Webster Dictionary, a spy is one who keeps a secret watch on a person or a thing to obtain information. A person employed by one nation to secretly convey classified information of strategic importance to another nation. Also, a person who conveys the trade secrets of one company to another. So yeah. it doesn't have to be government. Yeah. It could be personal or it could be corporate yeah, Whatever. corporate spying, corporate espionage is also very, very huge. Yeah, and we spoke about that during the um, uh, McAfee, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So in the United States, the spy definition for our government is one person who penetrates secretly or in disguise or falsely or by false pretenses mm-hmm. within the military lines mm-hmm. for the purpose of obtaining information to be used to the disadvantage of the forces who they are spying on. So. Yes. I'm sure you have some experience with this, right? Just so you know. If I I tell you, I'd have to kill you. Listen, okay, just so you know. So the person that I spent the weekend with was also military. And Mm I asked him, I said, are there stories you can't tell me? And he said, legit said, he goes, our government's smarter than that. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, he goes, every time I was sent to a job, and he and he did uh, deep sea diving, mm-hmm. you know, and stuff like that. And he's like, every time I was sent to a job, I knew two things, where I had to be and what I had to do. Mm-hmm. Other than that, they don't they don't indulge too much information. Like, they, they separate. They know how to, they got boundaries. They got, well, they and got that's, their boundaries built There's in. also a difference between tactical level and strategic level. Yes. So yeah. he sounds like more of the tactical level. Right. Where you get in the strategic level, that's where all the like the long term chess game comes in. Yeah. It's very yeah. interesting. But you can't do that without that tactical information. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, so it, 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 it does all play into one another. 
but it's unique how there's so many people that go into the military, thousands and thousands and thousands, and yet their knowledge is particularly limited on what they did. It's mm-hmm. not like they're, they're, they can't be trading secrets. Yeah. You know, because the government is smarter than them in a way. And it's like, all right, we well, you know, I don't but know. But there's somebody, know. and we'll get into his story today, mm. who oversees who knows what and is on top of knowing what's everything's going on. Oh, my God. Somebody has to know everything. We know everything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're going to play a game, Cat. So, Tatters. Secret game. Can Cat be a spy? Her code name, Meow. Meow. You ready? Now, this is a real active live test that I'm going to give you when you can't see it. I can't. Guys, I cannot see it. I have no <laughs> idea. I, I'm literally sweating right now. No, you're going to be great because a lot of it is historical stuff, too. Like, you know, things that have happened already. Um, it doesn't which, mean I'm going to remember it. I might have heard it before. <laughs> I have a feeling that you're going to get a couple of these th- th- these doozies. Okay, so number one. Wait, wait, before you start, don't mm. judge me. No white wigs here, okay? Here we go. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, number one. What did British intelligence agents discover was the most effective method to turn captured German spies into double agents? Was it sleep deprivation, threatening to kill them, long imprisonment, or convincing arguments? Hmm. I'm going to go with sleep deprivation. Okay. What was the primary mission of Ultra during World War II? Was it, one, counterintelligence, two, code breaking, three, surveillance, four, Espionage. Code breaking. Three. Richard Sorge, Sorge was the Soviet Union's most successful spy. Mm-hmm. What vital information did he have that Stalin ignored before the hostilities with Germany? Was it one, the date of Operation Barbosa? Two, the purpose of Operation Z? Three, the target of Operation Zindel, Z- Zitadel? And four, the meaning of Operation Sea Lion? Sea Lion. Oh, you were confident there. I feel confident in that one, but (laughs) I don't know. All right, number four. During World War II, what was the Soviet spy ring in Switzerland known as? One, the Swiss Orchestra. Two, Rado's Reds. Three, the Dora Group. Four, the Red Orchestra. I'll go with the Red Orchestra. I don't think it would be Swiss. That would be giving it away. Red's very Soviet. Okay. You're doing good. I mean, I, then again, I don't know. I don't I don't know the answer either, so. Okay. You won't right. know until the end. Yeah? I won't know until the end either. Oh, okay. shit. Number five. <laughs> During World War II. What Are these the... all like World War II ones? Yeah, I went I went to things that have happened. I didn't want to be like, what is this sure. by you? You know what? I, could, I because... do have a follow-up question, a personal question. Spy, spy, spy related, but I'll ask it at the end. Okay, and that's gonna well, be the, the cherry I'm, on top. I mean, World War Two is like the ultimate spy game, so mm. it's it it makes sense that these questions are centric around it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so number five during World War Two, what was the code name of the Soviet spy Rudolf Rosler? Mm-hmm. Rosler? Sure. Uh, yeah, sure. Louisa, Linda, Lucy, Louise. I've never heard of this guy before, so I don't know. I'll say Louisa. Okay. Is there a reason why, Louisa? No. Because it's... Okay. (laughs) Number six. The operation, the man who never was, Mm -hmm. was used to fool the Germans prior to the invasion of Sicily. Mm -hmm. What type of covert action was used? Was it, one, disinformation, Mm -hmm. two, sabotage, three, espionage, four, assassination? Disinformation. 
Seven, during World War II, what was the German counterintelligence agency known as? One, the OKW. Two, the Gaspo. Gestapo. The Gestapo? Gestapo. Gestapo? Mm -hmm. Okay. Three, I'm not even going to pronounce this word. It's A-B-W-E-H-R. Aptwer? Aptwer. Or four, the SS. Ooh, it's either Gestapo or SS. They both sound familiar. I was pretty confident with Gestapo, but then you said SS. It was the Soviet spies or German? German. Let's go with Gestapo. Go with my first instinct. Okay. What did the Office of Strategic Service become after World War II? Mm -hmm. Was it one, NAS, two, FBI, three, CIA, four, ONI? And SIS was Strategic Intelligence. What was this? What was S? The Office of Strategic Service. Office of st- the OSS. Yeah. I think office. Yeah. I think Office of National Intelligence. O N I. O N I. I think. All right, we're almost. It was either that or CIA. <laughs> no, oh I no! Know. Change it. Change it. It's CIA. Change it. Okay. Can you go back? Yes. Change it to CIA. All right. All right Listen, my more. friends, don't kill me. They're probably <laughs> going no. They're probably saying, "How did Natalie get that word wrong?" Because it's a natism. Okay. <laughs> All right, so number nine, during World War II, which U.S. law enforcement agency was responsible for apprehending spies? Was it one, the police, two, the FBI, three, the United States Army Intelligence, or four, the OSS? Oh, the OSS. OSS. And the last one. It was either that or military intelligence, but I I don't know. It says U.S. Army Intelligence. Yeah. Do you want to stick with your final? Is well, that I mean, your final for, well, yeah, stick with um, stick with OS. <laughs> that was responsible for capturing or um, catching. Which a U.S. law enforcement agency was responsible for apprehending spies? Yeah, catching. Military. Go to do the Mil- army one. The army one. Yeah. Okay. All right. And the last question. Well, then I have another question. I'll just okay. What did Japanese undercover agents discover while spying in Hawaii prior to World War II? Was it one? Most Japanese Americans were loyal U.S. citizens. Two. Most Japanese Americans were loyal to Japan. Three. Most Japanese Americans were neutral. Or four. Most Japanese Americans disliked only China. I'll go with the first one. The Americans loyal to Americans. I know Americans hated Japanese afterwards. I did horrible, didn't I? No, 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 no. Okay, so the first question, which is the what did the British intelligence discover the most effective method uh, to torture German spies? Mm -hmm. You said sleep deprivation. The correct answer was threatening to kill them. Ah, that's... (laughs) That doesn't work. So, one, you didn't get right. Two, you got right. Three, this was the Richard Sorge, the Soviet's most successful spy. Mm-hmm. Um, what did Stalin ignore before the hostilities with Germany? Mm-hmm. Uh, you said this was Sea Lion, and it was actually the date with uh, Operation Barbosa. It was the actual date? Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's a huge, it's a long reason for this, but I'm not going to get into it because I want to get into your story. Uh, you got number four right, five, code name. Um, oh, that was the Louisa? Yeah, it's Lucy. Oh, it was Lucy. Okay. All right. Lucy, six, Louisa, you, Louise. Six, six, you got right. Seven, no. Uh, what was the German counterintelligence agency known as? You said the Gestapo. It was OS. And it was, it was that weird name. It was that A-B-W-E-H-R. Oh, really? Yeah. A-B-W-H-E-R. Aptor? Oh. Hmm. <laughs> See? Um. And I don't like, I mean... I, I find this era fascinating when it comes mm-hmm. to the spy game because it was literally the epic for spying. 
Like it was like it paved the way for the future kind of thing. Yes. There was so many originating ideas and thoughts and stuff that came out from the World mm-hmm. War II time frame. But there's so much of it. Yeah. I can't retain it all. Oh, it's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> so the last one that you got wrong was the which law enforcement agency was responsible <laughs> for apprehending spies. It was the FBI, baby. It was the FBI? Yeah, really, was it? Was the it? FBI. Oh. Uh-huh. Ah, shit. So you got five out of ten. Which is, so that, that's... <sighs> Which is excellent. Well, no, it is. And the FBI is responsible for catching spies within the United States. Right. So it depends. I was thinking more so World War II overseas catching spies. Oh, uh, okay. So right. within the United, the continental United States, that's where their jurisdiction is. And the difference between that and then CIA usually covers for overseas and espionage yes. type of operations. With that said, I'm going to read you how they come up with FBI. It says, during World War II, the FBI was responsible for investigating and apprehending foreign intelligence agents operating on U.S. soil. Okay, so, so yeah, I would have been so right. right. Yeah. You would have been right. She's right. Right. You're right. All right. So my follow-up question and the last question for the day is, Kat, okay, you're in Cambodia. Oh. You're about to play Russian roulette. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. You got $60 million to play with. What drink do you order at the bar? Shirley Temple. <laughs> <laughs> you got to stay focused. <laughs> Make it think that you're drinking, but you ain't drinking. Is it shaken or stirred? Oh, shake it. Oh, okay. Good, good. All right, you pass. Always. You pass. Always. So, so good job. Not really. Okay. I did shitty. <laughs> I think that you would make a very good spy. You would look good at it. I mean, I mean it, the code names, that was, I think those were a little tricky. Okay. Yeah. Like, I, <laughs> you know, but obviously I, I, I can't really talk a whole lot about some of the things that I've done or have mm. been a part of. But what we are right. going to talk to, about today was described mm-hmm. by the U.S. Department of Justice as possibly, quote, the worst intelligence disaster in U.S. Oh. history, end quote. Oh. And I've seen some botched oh operations, God. you know. But for 25 years in the FBI, former special agent Robert Hansen was arrested and charged with 13 counts of espionage, one count of attempted espionage, and one count of conspiracy to commit espionage. Oh. So how is it possible that one, this counterintelligence officer turned spy, would turn his back on his country, two, would be in charge of the investigation into a mole into the FBI in which that was him, he was in charge Uh of investigating himself, and then three, what's money got to do, got to do with it? (laughs) Mm, mm. All right, let's find out, y'all. Born in Chicago, Illinois on April 18, 1944, Robert Philip Hansen was allegedly abused by his father, Howard, a Chicago police officer in his early childhood. He graduated high school in 1962 and then earned a bachelor's degree in chemistry in 1966. Originally seeking a job with the National Security Agency, the NSA, Hansen was turned down due to budget cuts, which, of course, like, we all know that, like... I know somebody who was who is a U.S. Marshal now who is waiting to get into the Marshals for four years. Oh, my God. <laughs> Hanson then attended dental school but switched to business after three years of graduate school. So, like, he was, like, three quarters of the way there, and he's like, I'm yeah. going to switch. But while he was still at dental school, he met and then married his wife, Bonnie Wauk. Wauk? Wauk? You're asking me? <laughs> <laughs> okay. In 1968. 
Hansen finished graduate school and earned an MBA in accounting and information systems in 1971. After only working a year at an accounting firm, he quit, joined the Chicago Police Department as an internal affairs investigator. I always thought it'd be super interesting to work internal affairs. Yeah, but everybody hates you. That's not, everybody hates me anyway. <laughs> like, I don't care. Just get in line. Get in line. This dude sounds really smart. He is. Like super smart. But he also kind of lets it get to his head because he thinks he's smarter than everybody. In January 1976, Hansen applied for and was accepted into the FBI. So his first assignment was in Gary, Indiana. He just did like regular field work, which this FBI is kind of aligned where they do criminal investigations and like counterintelligence investigations at the federal level. So there's a lot of federal statutes that fit their kind of their focus in under Uh the United States Code, just various different levels and stuff of what they'd be able to investigate. So he did that for a few years. And then in 1978, he was transferred to a field office in New York City. New York. (laughs) At this point, the Hansons had three of six children. They would end up having six kids total. By 1980, Hansen was assigned as a counterintelligence agent and detailed with compiling a database of intelligence on the Soviet Union. This is where Hansen sought out the Soviet intelligence director, then called the GRU. Uh He sought out Soviet intelligence and offered his services. This is like early in his career. He was only a special agent for a few years. While not indicating he had any political or ideological motivations for doing so, he later told the FBI after his arrest that his motivations were simply financial to get money. I did it for the money, money, money. (laughs) So there's a couple different espionage cycles that he was involved in. During the first espionage cycle, it went from 1976, which would have been his the beginning of his of joining to 1981, uh-huh. Hansen provided sensitive and classified information to the Soviets to include details of FBI's bugging activities and lists of suspected Soviet intelligence agents within the United States. Oh my God. So he had access as a counterintelligence agent to a list of suspected spots. So these oh. are the people that we suspect are spying against us trying to get our secrets so we these are the people that we're going to target so he gave that list of who the u.s is looking into right to the soviets oh my lord his most notable leak of betrayal was that of dmitry polyakov a soviet cia informant who was passing information basically spying for the u.s passing mm-hmm. soviet intelligence to cia agents and this guy, uh, Polikov, also was kind of making his way in the Soviet army. He, and he ended up being an, a Soviet army general. So as he's, like, making his rank, he's providing sensitive Soviet information to the CIA. Oh, my God. That's scary shit. And for whatever reason, the Soviets actually knew that Polikov was a spy, and they never took any action against him at this point. I personally would have thought they would have executed him, like, right away like immediately but at the same time it is it's sometimes it's a it's a cat and mouse game you have to wait and see what happens it's a meow mix it's a meow 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 mix (laughs) (laughs) it's like go wait and see so sometimes it's you don't know what you don't know so the more you know the more you're prepared to make your next step it's a very slow strategic intentional thing right and maybe the Soviets wanted to see if we knew and if he went missing by us. Yes. Maybe they wanted to see, you know. Oh, I know that you know. I right, right. Yeah, right. Like, I know that you know that you know that I know. Uh-huh. But I'm not going to tell you I know because you know that I know that I know that you know. Right. 
And while yes. he's alive, you don't think I know, but I know. Yes. Oh, my lord. You're getting it. You're getting oh. <laughs> it. So it could have tipped the hands to the CIA if they would have executed or done anything to Polikoff. It wasn't until CIA spy... Aldrich Ames. Does that name sound familiar? It does. Okay. How? He. We'll, we'll talk about him for a second. He okay. provided the same name of Dmitry Polyakov to the Soviets in 1986. So while Robert Hansen is giving the Soviets, hey, your General Polyakov is a spy and is giving information, CIA employee Aldrich Ames was giving the Soviets the same thing. He was also committing espionage. Wow. Holy shit, can't trust anybody. Oh, exactly. <laughs> In 1986, Aldrich Ames gave this information. Polikoff eventually was arrested and executed in 1988. By who? By them? By the Soviets. Okay, okay. So they did catch him and, and executed yeah. him eventually, but not at the time when Robert Hansen gave him the information, mm. which would have been early 80s. Okay. Okay, so if you don't know who Aldrich Ames is, he was a CIA agent who was convicted of espionage in 1994. Perhaps a future crime chat in the making. We may have to, if if this episode goes over well, chatters, let us know if you like this kind of stuff. We'll, we'll get into, give us a chatter request. Uh-huh. We'll knock out Aldridge Ames as well. Ames was originally thought to have been the only person it, from the U.S. government side to provide the Soviets with information on General Polikoff. And it wasn't revealed that Hansen also fed this information until after Hansen was arrested in 2001. So oh originally, my. this was only pointed to Aldra James. That's a long fucking time to be in the dark. Yeah. Well, Hansen eventually said, I also provided that information after his arrest. Hansen, he's in New York City, right? So after the New York City field office assignment, he was then assigned to FBI headquarters in Washington, D.C. in 1981. Oh. His new position gave him access to various information to include FBI wiretapping, electronic surveillance operations, which he was in charge of. During this time, he also became known as an expert in computers with the FBI because remember, he got a degree in information systems. Right. And this was the early 80s when like computers were like up and coming. Did like, we really not know? The next know? big thing. We didn't know? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> well... <laughs> After three years, Hansen was transferred to the FBI's Soviet Analytical Unit because of his experience before, because he was already a counterintelligence agent. So he was responsible for then studying, identifying, and capturing Soviet spies and intelligence operatives within the United States. If you think of this time frame also, it was the Cold War. Mm. The Soviets were the biggest foreign threats against the United States. And while he was at the Soviet analytical unit, Hansen was also responsible for evaluating Soviet agents who volunteered to give intelligence to the United States to determine basically like, are you authentically giving us, volunteering to give us this information or are you a double agent? Right. So a double agent essentially is when, let's say I'm a Soviet and I come to you and I say, I want to give you information. But I'm being controlled by the Soviet government and authorized to give you certain information. So essentially right. what I'm doing is I'm feeding you information that the Soviet government is telling me to give you uh-huh. and then turning around and getting information from you yeah. and feeding that back to the Soviets. So that's a double agent. Right. And we do that every day. I can't say we do. Well, I think we do that every day. Every day at work. <laughs> Every day. It's, it's all not, backstabbing. It's all it is. It, yeah, but it's like it's, it's like a, it, it's a controlled <laughs> way of, of feeding information and getting information. It is. No, absolutely it is. But this is where you also, it's a gentleman's game, if you will, for the terminology, where it's a gentleman's Us game. Us bitches are better. <laughs> 
especially at this. It's a, we'll call it a bitch slap. A bitch slap. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so, during this time frame, obviously, it was heavy for Soviet spying. In 1985, Hansen was transferred from D.C. back to the New York City field office, where he continued to work against the Soviets as a counterintelligence agent. This is where Hansen's second round of espionage would take place. So he had a little bit of a break when he was at FBI headquarters from 81 to 85. Okay. Now picking up from 1985 to 1991, that's kind of like his second round of espionage. So Hansen sent an anonymous letter on October 1st, 1985 to the Soviet KGB asking for $100,000 in exchange for his services, meaning I'll give you sensitive information, I'll give you classified information, but you need to pay me for it. That $100,000 is actually worth about $250,000 today. Mm. In the letter, he was like, I can provide my services. Here's a little taste of what I can do. So he gave them three names of three other KGB agents, Boris Yutsin, Valerie Marinikov, and Sergei Moritin, basically saying these three KGB agents are giving information to the U.S. Oh. So he was ratting them out. Oh, boy. And although Hansa was unaware of this, Aldrich Ames also had exposed the same three agents to the Soviets. So in a way, the Soviets were like, all right, he's telling the truth. It's it's, a, it's like from their side, it's validated information. Right. or Yeah, it's corroborated, right? Wow. Most of the time, the Soviets who were providing information to the U.S., essentially providing Soviet secrets, they were located in the United States. So as they're... So have you ever seen the TV show The Americans? Yes, I was just going to say that to you. Yes. It sounds familiar, and it sounds like that show. And that show is actually very closely related to a a good picture of how things operated in Mm -hmm. the 80s in the United States, how the Soviet spies were able to just embed themselves into society. It's such a perfect picturesque look into how things actually were. And this is actually... just blows my mind. Yeah. <laughs> so when Boris Yutsin, he was one of the three names that was listed on that letter, returned to Moscow in 1982, he's, he was subjected to intensive Soviet interrogation and investigation by the KGB because, not because his name was in the letter, but because he lost a hidden camera at the San Francisco Soviet consulate. So a consulate is a basically a satellite location from an embassy. Uh-huh. So we've got embassies are the big buildings, and then there's consulates like in different areas. So like most of, of the other countries' embassies are in Washington D.C. Right. Right. So they could have like satellite stations in different states. For this instance, Russia had or Soviet Union at this time had a consulate, which is like a satellite office from the embassy in San Francisco in California. Okay. So Boris Yutsin actually was not arrested until he was exposed by both Hansen and Aldrich Ames uh-huh. for spying. So he, he was in trouble already for this like hidden camera, missing this hidden camera yeah. that he left somewhere. <laughs> that poor guy. And, and then they're like, oh, by the way, you know, we also know you're spying to the United States. And then the other two people, Valerie Marinoff and Sergei Moritin, were recalled back to Moscow. So they were operating in the United States at this time uh-huh. as Soviet agents under the cusp of diplomatic uh-huh. personnel. Immunity or like some type <laughs> but of... But sometimes immunity just means they can't be charged within the United States. But like yeah. in a way. So they were in some sort of diplomatic role working at the embassy. But really they were spies. Right. And But the United States only knew right now that Ames had this information. They had no idea Hansen also was giving this information eventually it came out that they both did so yes okay. in a way okay. yes so 
So Yutsen was imprisoned for six years and then he was released, but he also subsequently fled back to the United States. So oh. Boris Yutsen, the first guy. Yeah. The Soviets found out he was spying. They imprisoned him for six years. They let him go. Mm-hmm. And then he, he basically defected to the United States. We allowed him back? Mm-hmm. Wow. Because it, the risk was worth the r- more... Like yeah. was the reward was worse more than the risk, essentially, I think is what they were they're probably doing. Now the other two, Marinov and Moritin, when they were recalled back to Moscow, they were executed and shot in the back of the head. Oh well, <laughs> yeah. yeah, like that I would I would expect Exactly. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But because the FBI blamed Aldrich Ames for the leak of these three names, Hansen was never suspected. But this October 1st letter Uh began a very long active espionage period for Hansen in this time frame. Okay. In 1987, Hansen was recalled to Washington, D.C. to investigate the potential penetration of the FBI to find this leak of these three people. All right, I don't like that word, penetration. I think that's very... I don't know. <laughs> I don't I don't know how else to say it. They penetrated. They broke through the threshold. <laughs> We're just being silly. Okay. <laughs> well, by this time it was rumored that an FBI mole was providing information on Marinoff and Moriton. Oh. And Hansen was assigned, was recalled to D.C. to investigate this mole, but he then was actually tasked to find himself. Oh, my God. I just realized that. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm seeing it. The dots are coming into clear view. Okay. <laughs> so he did what he was told. Mm. Short of identifying himself as the mole, he, he wrote in a report, quote, serious security breach, end quote, by revealing a list of all the Soviets who contacted the FBI about FBI moles to the KGB in 1988. So through various different means, they were able to collect this information and say, here's a list of FBI agents who talked to right. uh, Soviets. And he was on that list. He, of course, did not put himself on that list. But did he know that, that, that like, he's... He knew now... it was him. Okay, okay, all right. He knew it was him. Mm. But he had to be like, oh, I'll find out. Yeah. But what Let's better what, what better way to keep yourself out of the fire than to throw the whole thing off? You know yeah. what I mean? So also in 1988, Hansen revealed secret information to a Soviet defector using like during a debriefing. So during like a meeting, uh-huh. the agents working for Hansen at this time reported this breach of information to superiors but no action was taken so hansen was meeting with a defector was meeting with a soviet defector meaning they are not loyal to the soviet union anymore right so hansen was meeting with this defector in the united states briefing had a meeting provided some sensitive information hansen's subordinates realized he provided sensitive information and reported him but they never did anything like the superiors never did anything and took any action at this time at this point both the cia and the fbi focused their efforts so much on aldrich ames as the only person supplying information on soviets but they were wrong in 1989 hansen then warned the kgb that the fbi was conducting an espionage investigation on felix block an employee of the Department of State. The KGB terminated contact with Block immediately because Block was giving information to the Soviets. Right. FBI comes across it and says, 
we he's providing information to Soviets. Let's open an investigation on him. Hansen finds this information, reports back to the Soviets and says, hey, they got an, an investigation on him. So the KGB is like, all right, we're cutting ties. Right. Essentially. So the FBI investigation in two block was turned off because they weren't getting anywhere. There was no more contact between Block and the Soviets. Uh, so there was no more, they couldn't collect any more evidence basically against him. Uh, At this point, Block was never charged with a crime. He was fired from the State Department. And this failure in the Block investigation and the subsequent investigation as to how the KGB found out uh-huh. that the FBI was investigating Block resulted then into a deeper look into the FBI. Uh, sometimes you gotta clean your own house out. Little clean. <laughs> little lemon spring cleaning. Glass house. Glass house. Later in 1989, Hansen would provide the Soviets with classified information regarding what we call MASINT. It's Measurements and Signatures Intelligence. A term for intelligence collected by electronic means, such as radar, satellites, or signal intercepts. And that's not classified information. You can find that on Wikipedia. Never heard of that. I just learned something. Okay, cool. So in 1977, the Soviets began construction on a new embassy in Washington, D.C. Uh-huh. And while the construction was going up, the FBI wanted to dig a tunnel underneath as they were building this construction to go underneath so they could eavesdrop. Because we nosy, girl. We're nosy. We, we want to know what they did with Snoopy. And I think the spying game is always trying to stay like one step ahead. I want to know what you know so I know what my next move is so I can stay ahead of you kind of thing. However, with the fears of being found out, the FBI actually never completely went through with the whole eavesdropping thing. Mm, Got cold feet. Yeah. In 1989, Hansen Hansen was aware of the tunnel digging thing and intention of eavesdropping. Mm. So in 1989, Hansen was paid $55,000, which is about $132,000 today for providing this tunnel intentional eavesdropping thing to the Soviets. Uh And on two separate occasions, Hansen gave a list of American double agents to the Soviets. So the Soviets, as they're operating in the United States, also try to find spies, government employees, Uh to say basically to win their loyalty think of the americans right Mm -hmm. win their loyalty and the double agent persona would be that i'm whatever i get from the soviets i'm then turning back to the united states right and whatever while you're going through the story that's exactly what i'm thinking of is that freaking show i'm thinking of the americans absolutely (laughs) being undetected for years years at this point it's likely because hansen was trained in his experience in counterintelligence agent is why he's never gotten caught. Now, while there were some suspicions, he still was not identified as a spy at this point. Hansen likely became worried, though. The USSR disbanded in 1991, right? So we're getting up to, like, 1990 mm-hmm. time frame. And Soviets ended all communications at this time. In the following year, the Russian Federation reinitiated contact with Soviet spy agencies. They shut down, and then they went, were like, hey, mm-hmm. bling, bling, bling. Remember this one time you were spying for us? Yeah, you always spying. You want to do it again? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Hansen decided he would pr- approach the now GRU. He went to the Russian embassy in person, approached a GRU officer in the parking garage, and the Russians knew Hansen. His code name was Ramon Garcia. He was carrying a package and offered the GRU agent that he approached in this parking garage mm. his services. I was a spy before. I'll be a spy again. Here's a package. 
<laughs> this was the beginning of his third and final round of being a spy from 1992 to 2001. The GRU officer, however, didn't recognize the name Ramon Garcia uh-huh. and drove away. He was like, uh, I don't know who you are, so I'm leaving. <laughs> Despite identifying his code name and also revealing himself as an FBI agent, Hansen evaded arrest when an FBI investigation was opened based on this incident. So I don't think they had like surveillance cameras or anything at the time, mm-hmm. but this GRU agent that he approached, somehow the U.S. government found out that Hansen approached him, but they didn't know it was Hansen. Oh. They just knew there was an attempted... Ramon Garcia. Breach. Yeah. <laughs> so that's all that they knew. So they opened up an investigation into this incident. Uh-huh. In 1993, Hansen continued taking risks... He hacked into a fellow FBI agent's computer and printed out a classified document. Now, while there's nothing wrong with this, as long as it's controlled and there's certain parameters are met, he took the document to another FBI agent, Ray Mislock, and told him, quote, you didn't believe me the system was insecure, end quote. Probably means unsecure because I don't think a system can be insecure, but it can be unsecure. I think he's insecure on an unsecure system. He's insecure. So Hanson's supervisors, uh, they were not amused. <laughs> they weren't insecure. Was- they weren't insecure. <laughs> and they were like, what the fuck? So they <laughs> began an investigation on him, but it did end in Hanson basically saying, I was just demonstrating the FBI's flaws. Miss yeah. uh. Locke, this agent, later stated that he did believe Hanson was probably looking for evidence of an investigation into himself. Uh. And then made the story up later to cover for it. Yeah. In 1994, Hansen requested to move to the newly established National Counterintelligence Center, which was responsible for coordinating all counterintelligence activities with all government agencies. However, Hansen withdrew his application when he found out he had to take a polygraph oh. for the position. <laughs> and I was like, nope, I don't want to do that because I probably would fail. Probably. I wonder if Amazon sells those, like an at-home polygraph test. We should try it. Maybe. I'm going to order one, and then I'll send it to you, Kat, okay? I need to, no, it's your turn for a test. (laughs) We're going to do you. In 1997, a convicted former FBI agent told the FBI he suspected Hansen in this mislock incident, in the printing out the classified information, but I'm, I'm digging for something, but I'm really just, like, testing the security. Right. This former agent was Earl Edwin Pitts, who was convicted of espionage for selling information to the Soviets and Russian intelligence agencies for more than $225,000. Pitts was arrested and sentenced to 27 years for espionage, but he was released in 2019. So he's out. Watch, there's a spy among us. Yeah, but he served some time, too. He did. He did. I'm surprised any espionage, this should be a life sentence, but whatever. Uh Pitts was the second former FBI agent to identify Hansen as a spy, but supervisors were still not convinced and no action was taken. What do they want? What the fuck? The guy's a spy. (laughs) Like, I don't get it. Oh, my Lord. (laughs) 
On another close call, Hansen was investigated yet again for an attempted hack into the FBI's computer system. Hansen attempted to breach the system. IT personnel were alerted and looked into the incident. They conducted a digital investigation on Hansen's computer desktop, which disclosed that the attempted hacking, and they also disclosed an unauthorized password cracking program that was installed on his work computer. When questioned, Hansen said, I was trying to connect to the color printer. <laughs> <laughs> and I needed the password, so I downloaded this password cracker program so I could bypass the administrative requirements. That wouldn't work for a four-year-old. How is it working for the FBI? Like that is a They believed his story. Forget <laughs> he's the luckiest man in the world. Okay. They believed his story <laughs> and they gave him a warning. Oh I mean, think about it this time frame. Like we know so much more now about computer technology and yeah. the digital fingerprint and everything that's left behind that because he was noted as the computer expert for the FBI. Jesus. He had experience and education in it. If he's the one telling them yeah. things, they're gonna believe it because right. just because they don't you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Oh my god, okay. So around the same time, Hansen was able to actually get into the FBI's internal computer case record Mm -hmm. to search if he was being investigated. His careless actions including typing his own name into the FBI search engine, his address... Coming up with no results, Hansen decided, okay, I'm in the clear. I'm going to continue spying for the Russians. He established contact then with a newly named KGB, which it was called the KGB. It's now called the SVR in the fall of 1999. All the while, he continued searching his name constantly and monitoring if he was being investigated. Oh, my God. Uh, while the intelligence losses, including the arrest of Valerie Marinoff and Sergei Moritin, were blamed originally on Aldrich Ames, there were two cases that were still open and unsolved with the FBI at this time. The block investigation and the embassy tunnel information. Like, FBI was looking into how the Soviets got this. Mm. Ames, who was stationed in Rome at the time during the block investigation, and then that because he was CIA, he couldn't have known about the tunnel. Mm -hmm. So they basically excluded Ames Blamed him for everything else, but excluded Ames for those two investigations as the suspect in it. Mm -hmm. So FBI, CIA opened a joint investigation and take these additional, after Aldrich Ames was arrested, they took some additional intelligence steps into order to kind of help with this investigation. Hansen was able to evade any investigation into him just because he was aware of the investigation and he was able to du- to direct it. Uh-huh. This unknown mole that the FBI was in CIA joint investigation was called quote unquote gray suit. So Operation Gray Suit. Uh. Originally, they did not believe that the mole was in the FBI because Aldrich Ames was in the CIA. So they focused primarily originally on the CIA. And they looked into CIA operative Brian Kelly into the block investigation. They tapped his phone. They surveilled him. They followed him and his family everywhere. When a foreigner one day came up to Brian Kelly's home and knocked on his door, November 1998, they were watching. The man said to Kelly, the FBI knows you're a spy. Show up at the metro station tomorrow so you can escape. And then he left. So the FBI is listening, FBI CIA joint investigation, they're listening to this foreigner yeah. say these things to this CIA agent. Mm-hmm. Oh <laughs> so Kelly, if doing the right thing, reported this and said, uh, somebody just came up to me and did this. Him, his now ex-wife, two sisters, and three children were all interrogated. 
Oh my God! And the children. even though he reported the information, yeah, wow. I think they were probably older children. Okay. Kelly was placed on administrative leave and remained falsely accused in the block investigation uh-huh. until Hanson was arrested in 2001, and this was like 1999. So for like two years. Yeah. So meanwhile, the FBI ran an operation with Russian intelligence officers to provide them information on U.S. moles, U.S. intelligence moles. Uh-huh. Like, hey, we want to know who are who are providing the Soviets with information yeah the fbi paid seven million dollars <laughs> to a kgb agent alexander i have no idea how to say that what? i'm just gonna say alexander but that's a lot of to... money it's a lot of money oh my god it's a lot of shit ton of money yeah but th- i mean money talks when it comes to secrets true Alexander actually had a file. He was a KGB agent. He was able to access a file with the name of B, the letter B, Uh as a mole. Uh And while it didn't have Hansen's true name identified in it, it did contain an audio tape from a July 1986 conversation between the spy that they knew and identified as B and another KGB agent, Alexander Fefalov. A voice, as the FBI was listening to this audio tape, after they were able to obtain it from Alexander, they were like, hey, I don't recognize that voice. It sounds really familiar. So the FBI agent who thought the name was familiar, his name was Michael Wagasbeck. Okay, I, girl, that was amazing. That was amazing. <laughs> How she just read that name without having any issues. Oh, that's amazing. I just went with you it. Went, you did good. You did good. I sounded confident. You okay. did. You, sounded, you, you were secure. <laughs> I was secure. So Wagasbeck, he's like, this name, or this voice sounds so familiar, but I just, I can't point my put my finger on it like I, I feel like I recognize that voice uh-huh. so in this file that Alexander provided it also had uh, some paperwork in it and there was a quote in there from General George S. Patton saying quote the purple pissing Japanese end quote now an FBI analyst who was looking through the documents in this packet Bob King he knew this quote and he knew who said this quote oh. and that was Robert Hansen <gasps> Oh. So Bob King has a conversation with Agent Wagasbeck. Wagasbeck is like, you know what? I'm going to listen to that audio tape again. Yeah. And he identified the voice as Robert Hansen. Wow. So now the FBI was made aware who their mole was, who the spy was. They knew Hansen's activities and locations in this quote unquote B file uh-huh. matched with Hansen's activities at the time, like where he was assigned and everything, like all matched up at the time. And they also provided two fingerprints from a trash bag in the file. It was identified as Hansen fingerprints. Obviously, as an employee of the government, you provide your fingerprints, everything is that's on file. And I'll kind of get into the whole trash bag thing, but basically he would use trash bags when he was providing documents to the Soviets and he would do what's called a dead drop. He would drop it off at a previously established location. The Soviets knew to pick it up. Right. He would leave and then the Soviets would come and pick it up. And it's a garbage bag. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So the FBI opened an investigation into Hansen, started following him. They found out he was, again, in contact with the Russians. And in 2000, to keep him away from furthering damage to, like, U.S. national security, they reassigned him back to FBI headquarters where they could also kind of, like, keep an eye on him. They promoted him and gave him a job supervising an FBI computer security. (laughs) 
his job was completely made up. They intentionally put him there, making him think he was being promoted. Right. But we're going to put you in a job where we can completely monitor you. So the job was made up. His office was rigged with cameras and microphones. And then January 2001, they gave him an assistant, FBI surveillance agent, essentially, who was there to report on Hansen, not to work for Hansen. So he's basically got undercover. Right. And his name was Eric O'Neill. O'Neill stated that Hansing was using a PDA to store his information. Do you remember PDAs? Yes. Oh, my God. The little stylus that would come out and you'd have to, like, put in your calendar and make notes and all that. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So O'Neill was able to obtain Hansen's PDA when it wasn't on him. Like, basically, it was left unattended. Right. And so he downloaded the information and the FBI was able to gain evidence of his espionage because Hansen kept it on his PDA. By this time, there were about 300 FBI agents and CIA agents monitoring Hansen and his activities between the surveillance teams, undercover wow. teams. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Hansen began to suspect something was amiss. He said he heard noises in his car to indicate that he might be bugged, like there might be a GPS system or something's going on with the radio. Paranoia. It was like really fuzzy. Was Paranoia. Paranoia. The FBI tried to mimic this sound because right. they did bug his car. They mm. did bug it, but they weren't able to imitate the noises I'm that he was talking sure they about. Were fucking with him too. Well, true. <laughs> they, so they, they wanted him to decompensate in front of them. Like they wanted <laughs> this deck of cards to fall. Oh wow! Right. So February 2001, Hansen asked a friend at a computer technology company about a job hmm. because he was actually closing in on retirement. And this is once they identified that like who he was and they started doing this investigation, they were taking their time with the investigation to collect enough evidence. So when they go to court, there could be basically mm-hmm. like the, the government's responsibility to prove the yeah. charges. Right. So the FBI is like, we got to hustle. Mm-hmm. February 18th, 2001, Hansen made one more fatal move. He took a friend to the airport and drove to Virginia's Foxtone Park afterwards. He signaled the Russians by placing a white piece of tape on a park sign. And basically what this was doing is saying, letting the Russians know, hey, I'm going to put something off at the drop site. You need to go pick it up. It lets them know, hey, okay, we've got some fresh information to go pick up. Mm -hmm. So he did that. He put the tape on the park sign and then drove to what was considered the drop site. It was at the bottom of a wooden footbridge over a creek. And I've got a picture of this. Uh. And after leaving the signal, Hanson went to this drop site wherein he was arrested. Hanson's reaction, quote, what took you so long? End quote. (laughs) The FBI surveilled the drop site for two more days just to see like what Russian spies, like if they could identify who the Russian spies were that were going to go pick up the stuff that to see what other additional intelligence they would be able to collect. Mm -hmm. So they left it there. Mm -hmm. They did have to, however, knowing that there was classified information inside, they did have to keep 24-hour watch on it. Uh Of course. So when he was arrested, Hansen was in possession of a letter to the Russians saying that he was promoted to a quote-unquote do-nothing job outside of regular access to information and that quote, something has aroused the sleeping tiger, end quote. So he could suspect that, like, something was going on. Yeah. Hansen was able to avoid the death penalty by pleading guilty and sharing information to authorities, like information he shared. Uh. And that's the only reason we know what information really that he shared is because he, he had confessed some of this, other than what was caught in, like, on his PDA and that kind of thing. 
He pled to 13 counts of espionage, one count of attempted espionage, one count of conspiracy to commit espionage in the U.S. District Court for the Eastern District of Virginia. On May 10, 2002, Hansen was sentenced to 15 consecutive sentences of life. 15 life sentences. In prison, without the possibility of parole, but Fuck he did parole avoid the. At that point, yeah. <laughs> right. Why do they even say parole at that point? I mean, I think they have to, obviously, uh. for like legal reasons, they have to say you are not eligible for parole. Oh my. But he was able to avoid the death penalty, and during his sentencing, he said, "Quote: I apologize for my behavior. I am shamed by it. I have opened the door for calumny against my totally innocent wife and children. Uh-huh. I have hurt so many deeply." Uh-huh. End quote. Yeah. So in Hansen's personal life, he was described to be close to his family. They attended Catholic Mass weekly, every week, like I hate to say religiously. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Bonnie, his wife, retired from teaching theology at Oak Crest Prep School, where their three daughters attended. Mm-hmm. Their three sons also attended a prep school called The Heights. And as regular mass attenders, Hansen said after his arrest that while he was spying, he mm. was confessing to his priest. After his arrest. After his arrest, he said, I went to confessions and I told my priest I confessed my sins. Hansen had a friend who was a retired army officer and he would watch the Hansons having sex without Bonnie's knowledge. What? Wait. He was little, apparently was very like freaky deaky. Wait, Robert was freaky Robert, deaky? Yeah. And he would yeah. record him having sex with his wife and record it yes he would covertly videotape having sex with his wife giving it to his friend who was this army retired officer but then the army retired officer would also like peek in the window and watch them having sex robert knew that he was there but bonnie didn't know Bonnie didn't know that he was recording them being videotaped having sex either. Ew. He also detailed his sex life on internet chat rooms, but did not provide enough information to where like people would be like, oh, I know it's you, mm-hmm. you know. Hansen also frequented DC strip clubs and spent a great deal of time with one particular stripper. Mm-hmm. Hansen brought her to his Hong Kong business trips on several occasions. He also brought her to the FBI training facility in Quantico. He gave her money, he gave her jewelry, and he gave her a used Mercedes but ended contact with her when she began using drugs and doing sex work. And this was all prior to his arrest. Mm. She offered, apparently, according to her testimony, to have sex with him on several occasions. But he declined. And instead, he tried to convert her to Catholicism. I love how this whole in, in, backstory to him started with, he went to church, dude. Yep. Like this, yep. oh my God. It's like they paint. they try to paint a picture. Oh, Yeah. So Hansen is currently serving 15 consecutive life sentences without parole at ADX Florence, a federal supermax prison oh. near Florence, Colorado. Many publications and movies have come out based on Hansen to include Ronald Kessler's book, The Secret of the FBI, in Chapter 15, Catching Hansen, mm-hmm. Chapter 16, Breach, mm-hmm. and Chapter 17, Unexplained Cash, based in part on interviews with Michael Rockford, who directed the FBI team that eventually caught Hansen after initially wrongly assuming it was Brian Kelly. Hansen was also the subject of a 2002 made-for-TV movie, Master Spy, the Robert Hansen story, with teleplay by Norman Mailer, starring William Hurt as Hansen. Hansen's, (laughs) while he was in jail, he was allowed to watch this movie, but he was so angered by it that he actually turned it off. Really? According to the prison. And this is one of the more popular movies, Master Spy and Breach. I know those two. Okay. 
So Eric O'Neill's role, mm-hmm. the assistant, right? His role in the capture of Robert Hansen was dramatized in the 2007 movie Breach mm. with Chris Cooper played the role of Hansen and uh, Ryan Philippe played O'Neill. Have you seen those movies yet? No. I'm going to mm-hmm. watch them. I, I need to watch them now. Breach, I mean, I know of Breach. I like Ryan Philippe anyways, yeah. but like, you know, he was an early 2000s heartthrob. He was. In, uh, there's also a 2007 documentary, Super Spy, The Man Who Betrayed the West, mm. and it describes the hunt to trap Hansen. Next one, Hansen is mentioned in Chapter 5 of Dan Brown's book, The Da Vinci Code, Ooh. as the most noted opiate die member to non-members because of his sexual deviancy and espionage conviction. The organization's reputation was actually really badly hurt. Mm. True TV, which was called American Court TV at the time, they had a series, Mugshots, released an episode on Robert Hansen, case titled Robert Hansen, Hansen and the KGB. The investigation was also covered in O'Neill's memoir, Gray Day, My Undercover Mission to Expose America's First Cyber Spy, that was published by Penguin Random House in the spring of 2019. So that's actually a fairly recent book. Uh-huh. David Wise wrote a book, Spy, the inside story to how the FBI's Robert Hansen betrayed America. Hansen's story was also featured in episode four under the name of Perfect Traitor of the Smithsonian Channel's series Spy Wars that aired at the end of 2019 and that was narrated by Damian Lewis. Hansen is mentioned in the seventh episode of the History Channel series American Book of Secrets as well as the fifth episode of Netflix series Spycraft. And lastly, Hansen's story is the subject of a 2021 documentary called A Spy in the FBI. But I don't know if I've ever seen that. That's pretty recent. And that's the story of the spy he thought he was. I I have a whole new list of movies I need to see. Okay, <laughs> because this was good. But oh my god. Like how stupid are we? <laughs> Like what so the fuck it, it kind of goes back to what I think we were talking about earlier in the my lover my killer like there's you go back and you look like there's flags there's flags everywhere yeah so having been with federal law enforcement to include criminal and counterintelligence investigations for the better part of 15 plus years mm-hmm. there's reasons why we have to do certain annual training mm-hmm. and he's part of the reason ah. So there's like there was a lot of lessons learned that came out of not just Robert Hansen, but Aldrich Ames, others spies, you know, essentially that have been caught. There's been a lot of lessons learned with things that we look at that we now have to pay attention more to essentially lessons learned i mean there's that's the only way we learn and improve is to identify what we did wrong to improve what we can do better yeah because there will be a next time there will be another time of course and it'll be scarier and and but like how many people died because if he was he was giving away secrets how many people's like lives were either tortured or something because he was betraying his country so while he said he did it for the money 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 Mm. there is really no other true motive and and one of the things to say is like money is a means Mm -hmm. you you can do it for the money but what's the money gonna be used for is it to pay your stripper girlfriend Right. Is it to put your kids through college? Is it to, like, what is, the money is a means to something, some other type of reason why you do it, but he's never given another reason. Yeah. At least that's been made public. Some people just like watching the world burn. Mm -hmm. Like, what was that movie where, I think it was Batman, I think it was The Dark Knight, where they Mm -hmm. were describing meeting another character like the Joker, where they couldn't couldn't figure out the Joker, they couldn't get a profile on him, because Mm -hmm. he's crazy. Mm Mm-hmm. And they were saying, like you're saying, like there's got to be a, a, a 
a reason for this, a reason for that. And they, they gave like a, a story where like this diamond hunter in Africa was killing people for diamonds and they wanted to know like what he was going to do with the diamonds. But in the end, he did nothing with the diamonds, but he mm-hmm. killed hundreds of people. It's almost like it was, it was not necessarily about the diamonds. He maybe kind of liked the sport of either betraying or mm-hmm. being ahead of the game or killing. The thrill. The thrill. Yeah. Yeah. The thrill of it. Ugh. And he did it for so many years. And, and while it wasn't consistent, mm. the impact... And of course, they're not going to publicly release the classified information that was no. given to the Russians or the Soviets at the time. So, But the amount of damage... That would be a breach of national security. I mean, we've talked about that before, too. When we talked about, like, the Area 51 and the yeah. and the different levels and everything. So, I don't know. But, yeah, that's that's my uh, super spy story. Cool. I'm shocked he's alive. I'm shocked. That- well, the only reason he's alive is because it was part of his plea. Yeah. Wonder, so he'll he'll die in prison. Yeah, I wonder if we're still using him for information that he's not telling us. Maybe they kept him alive because they're like, "You're not telling us everything. We're gonna keep you around for another twenty years. You're gonna you're gonna tell us eventually." I don't know. So I think he is seventy eight years old right now. He'll live another twenty years potentially. Yeah. Wow. Oh my God, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, thank you for doing that. That was really good. I enjoyed that. Because we don't leave you hanging, chatters, for more information on this case. And Kat is going to have all the pictures, right? I'll have pictures and goods. And the goodies. All right. You check out After That Crime Chat, only available on our Patreon. Don't forget to follow us on the socials, Crime Chat with Nat and Kat, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, to see what we got coming up. Yes. And then next. And remember, Crime Chat with Nat and Kat, we say subscribe to our Patreon because we have the goodies. That'll yes. be heading your way. So subscribe, subscribe to this Patreon. You're not going to regret it. You're going to get behind the scenes, bloopers, also merch in the works. And you don't want to miss our next episode, which is... It's a mystery. Either way, <laughs> you don't want to miss it. Either, either way, way, you don't, you don't want to miss it. We'll see you on the next Crime Chat. Yes.